This is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Well, greetings, Cornerstone family. Um, It's just good to be with you today. We're going to talk a little bit about a topic that oftentimes we will spend a lot of times talking about. Um, oftentimes it's something that's in the forefront of our minds and, and we live a lot of life with, but rarely do we actually live victorious in this area. What I'm going to talk to you today about is worry. So oftentimes we worry about everything. We worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, what kind of job we're going to have, what people think of us and so forth and so on. And God's word actually speaks a lot to this idea of worry. It's in that space that we're going to continue in the gospel of Luke and uh, unpack a few things that Christ said about worry and really an emphatic command not to do so. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32 through 32, that's where we're going to be camping out today. I'm not going to read it all. I just want to do a few touch points and paraphrase the rest and kind of delve into some of the things that can help you and me uh, jettison worry in our lives. Uh, Worry is actually defined as anxiety or something that is persistent or a nagging attention or effort to afflict with mental distress or agitation. We all have that those moments where there's something nagging. Our hearts ache. There's that you know thing in our you know the pit in our in our guts. Um, it is constant mental stress um, and agitation. And a lot of times, we a lot of us live there, uh, and, and it's a very prevalent emotion in our lives. And yet, God's word constantly communicates to you and me that we're not to worry, that we're not to be anxious in anything. And so how do we, how do we reconcile that tension of the invitation that the Father invites you and me into to jettison worry in our lives? And yet what oftentimes is a prevalent or prominent feeling in our lives. In Luke chapter 12, 13 through 22, Uh, Jesus says some pretty profound things, and actually the Bible sometimes separates these two, but actually uh, they should be connected. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15, he says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them this parable. And the parable is about a farmer who basically brings in this huge crop and he has no idea where to store it. The current barns that he has aren't big enough. And so he says, I know what I'll do. I'll make bigger barns to store all this crop. And then I'm just going to kick back. I'll have everything that I need for a long time. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And the Bible tells us that that night, God says to him, And that night, the rich farmer, the the, the foolish farmer, uh, his life was demanded from him. Then it goes on to talk about this. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And then it goes on and talks about consider the ravens and consider the, the lilies of the field. None of them reap or sow. And yet God clothes them in all their splendor. Even, even King Solomon couldn't match up to all of that. And then it goes on to say this. It says in verse 29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows what you need. 
but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for our Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I want to invite you into a couple things that I see this passage and is kind of tools that help you and me jettison worry in our lives. The first thing I want to talk to you about today is this. Worry oftentimes is rooted in greed. Then he said to them, verse 15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. One of the things that causes greed in our lives Um, or or, excuse me, worry in our lives is greed. At the root of greed is this nagging question. Is there going to be enough for me? Will there be enough to satisfy what I think I deserve or what I've grown accustomed to? Often we worry because we're concerned that we will not be able to drive a certain car, live in a certain house, have a certain job or certain freedoms afforded us or resources to engage in certain activities. Oftentimes we worry about what other people are thinking about us and and what they're saying about us. And and so we we carry this thing. Why? Because ultimately what we're thinking about, is there going to be enough friendship? Is there going to be enough good things? Is there going to be enough food? Is there going to be enough left over for me? And ultimately uh, greed is rooted in this idea that ultimately we don't trust that God will provide for us at the level we think we deserve or at the level that we think we've been accustomed to. And so one of the things that Christ invites us into is simply saying, I want you to be careful. Watch yourself. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not just consist of your possessions. Greed ultimately is saying, is there going to be enough left over for me? It puts self and self-protection above everything else. And then Father invites us, don't go there. The second thing we find oftentimes when it comes to worry is this. We need to realize that we're not in as much control as we think we are. Jesus said this way in verse 25, he says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? This is an interesting statistic. 85% of what we worry about, statistically speaking, will never happen. There's another statistic that says it this way. Of all that we worry about, statistics say 40% of those things will never happen. 30% regard things in the past that we can't change. 12% pertains to criticism by others, which is mostly untrue. 10% is health-related, which gets worse with stress. And only 8% of our worry actually deals with the real problems that we will face. Isn't that interesting? The one statistic would say that 85% of what we worry about will never come into fruition. And another statistic, after combining everything, says Really, of the things that we actually worry about or are anxious about, only 8% of it actually deals with the real issues. For many, we thrive in control. We want to control the outcome. Truth is, we have a false sense of what we are actually in control of. The farmer built bigger barns to soar his wealth, thinking that he'd be able to sit back, drink, eat, and be merry. 
And yet what he didn't realize and what he didn't know is that the second that he kicked his feet up, the time on earth was over. That's crazy to me. We're not as in control of as much of what we think we are. COVID has taken many jobs away. People have lost homes, cars, comfort, completely out of their control. Companies have downsized, stocks markets crashed, and none of these things we can control. So by worrying, we change nothing. And yet by worrying, so much of the quality of life that God calls us into is robbed and taken from us. And so when the Bible asks you and me to stop worrying, one of the things that we have to realize is, one, a lot of our worry is rooted in greed. And greed ultimately is concerned that there's not going to be enough left over for me. The second thing about greed is oftentimes we're not as in control of as much as we think we are. And part of Scripture's letting letting go of control and offering our lives is unto the Father as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to Him. There's two things that we see in this particular passage that actually invite us in to practices that will afford you and I the opportunity to begin to overcome worry in our lives. The first one is this. Luke says Christ tells us in verse 31, seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom and all these things will be given unto you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I think it's so important for you and me to realize that when we seek first the kingdom of God, which is God's way of doing things, God actually delights in supplying all of our needs. It goes on to say in Philippians, it says, and I will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We have a loving father that truly wants to supply all of our needs. But part of seeking first the kingdom of God, part of seeking God's way of doing things is to walk in obedience to God's way of doing things. That's with our language. That's that's with the way we think and the inclinations of our heart, the things that we act upon. I have found for me that when I start worrying, oftentimes I'm focusing on the things that I can't control. And when I start focusing on the things that I can, aka giving thanks to God in all circumstances, giving thanks to God in all circumstances, being reminded of how God has been faithful, how he is faithful, and how we will be faithful. It's amazing to me how oftentimes worry begins to take a back seat to truth. The Bible throughout scripture talks about a righteous man has nothing to fear, but an evil man runs even when no one pursues him. In other words, those who seek first God's way of doing things will not worry. We call on promises. We lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he makes our path straight. In all things, we're joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. We live within our means. We tithe. We're generous. We make sure that we stand in awe of God and not man. For the Bible says, curses the man who trusts in man, but blesses the man who trusts in the Father. He will be like a tree planted by the water, never failing to bear fruit. It's amazing to me that when I respond according to his kingdom, I worry less. I believe that God truly delights in blessing his children. 
And when we seek first his kingdom, when we seek first his way of doing things in our prayer life, in our thought life, in what we allow to come out of our mouths, in the way we treat people, in the things that we act upon, there's a lot less worry in our lives when we begin to seek first the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that when we seek first the kingdom, everything that we're actually looking for, God brings into our life the things that we need, the things that our hearts desires as we seek first his kingdom. The second thing that we see in this particular passage is simply this. To jettison worry in our life, it goes a long ways when we invest in what will last for eternity. This world and everything in it is temporal. It will not last forever. God says that he is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. This, friends, is not our home. The brokenness of this world does not have the final say. Often we hold on more to the world and what is temporal than we do what is eternal. When we begin to fix our eyes on heaven, the Bible tells us that heaven is our hope. The hope that we have in, in, in the glory that God has provided in heaven is what actually springboards our faith and our love. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. The Bible tells you and me that in all circumstances, love wins. And yet it's our hope. It's the things that we hope for, the yearn for, to recognize that we're a part of a kingdom bigger than ourselves that helps put a, a trajectory, a true sense of how temporal the things around us are, whether it's someone not liking us or, 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 or a possession that we long to have or a job that we didn't get or a friend that, that, that spoke ill of us. All those things that worry us are all temporal. Often what allows us to remove worry from our lives is we begin to focus on what will last for eternity. Well, the only thing that will last for eternity, the only thing that will last forever is the soul of a man. For me and for you, part of jettisoning worry in our lives is to recognize that our lives are to be spent in the advocating for and the spurring on towards love and good deeds, those people around us that last for eternity. Jesus said it this way in verse 33, he says, sell your positions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out or treasures, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's interesting to me that when my heart is behind something, I can be very passionate and very driven um, and, and I don't give up easy. And so oftentimes we think that where our heart is, that's where our treasure will be. But actually Jesus says to you and me that what you treasure, your heart is sure to follow. In other words, the things that we place extreme value on ultimately become the trajectory and the pursuit of our hearts. Part of jettison worry in our lives is not only to seek first the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things, but it's also for us to begin to treasure the kingdom of heaven on earth, to treasure what is eternal, what lasts forever. I've said it once and I've said it a thousand times, everything that you own 
will eventually be owned by someone else. Whether you sell it now or someone gives it away after you pass on from this glory into the next, there's nothing that you have that will not be owned by something else. And so what does it look like for us to begin to posture our minds and our words and the way that we engage life and begin to focus on what lasts for eternity? My relationship with my father lasts for eternity. My relationship with people can last if that relationship with Christ for eternity. What am I doing to invest in my own heart and, and the soul needs of my life and the people around me? What am I doing to invest in what lasts for eternity? What's eternal? Because where your treasure is, what you value the most, and ultimately the things we value, we will always treat different. What do you value? Do you value status? Do you value popularity? Do you value winning? Do you value looking better than everybody else? Do you value? What do you value? Because ultimately where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But if your treasure is his kingdom, if your treasure is to invest in what lasts for eternity, it's amazing to you and me what begins to take place is we have a lot less worry in our lives. So good folks, Jesus says, hey, why do you worry about these things? By worrying, you cannot add a single day to your life. And oftentimes what causes worry is greed. We are concerned there's not going to be enough left over for us. Oftentimes what causes us to worry is we forget that we're not actually in as much control as we think we are. And a couple steps in this particular passage, by no means is it exhaustive, but a couple things that you and I can do, just begin to practice is how do we seek first the kingdom of God? How do we seek God's way of doing things? How do we declare and call upon his truth and what the Bible says about himself and what he says about you and me to be true? What does it look like for us to apply our lives to doing it God's way first? By doing that, the things that we most yearn for will naturally come into fruition. And guys, let us be people that invest in the things that are eternal. Let's focus on what lasts forever because ultimately where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, I sure appreciate you. I love you. Uh, I love walking this life and this journey with you. I hope you have the best day. I look forward to seeing you when I do. God bless. Hey, we are so honored that you are with us today. Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurchco.com for more resources.